Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Youngdike, with our co-host, Logan Schultz. And the podcast is brought to you by MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs, and our on-the-ground program, Hunters, Anglers, and Trappers, volunteering for fish and wildlife habitat on public land. And that's supported by the Michigan Department of Natural Resources Wildlife Habitat Grants, the Saginaw Bay Watershed Initiative Network, and Outdoor Life's Open Country Program. Here's the show. Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. I'm your host, Drew Youngdike, with our co-host, Logan Schultz, the resident gun nut for Michigan United Conservation Clubs. And we have a couple guests in studio today. We have Sarah Topp, the AmeriCorps member who's serving as the Wildlife Volunteer Coordinator. And we have Mary Herman, who's our Glass and Scholar intern. So it's been a couple weeks since we've had a podcast out. The reason is we have been on the road uh, talking with conservationists, hunters, and anglers from all over the state. And so what we have today is four of those interviews from around the state, um, just with some of these groups um, that you're going to be really excited to hear. So the first one that we're going to have up is one of my favorite websites, the Michigan Buck Pole. And for most of you out there, if you hunt deer, you have to know who they are. Um, We're speaking with the founders of Michigan Buck Pole about everything that you ever want to know about them, as well as what their recommendations and prospects are for the upcoming season. Then we went down to Tomahawk Archers, um, which is an archery club uh, in Temperance, Michigan, down close to the Ohio border. They were having a youth conservation day. So we're talking with Patrick Hogan of Tomahawk Archers all about their efforts to get uh, young folks involved in archery and bow hunting. We went up to Central Lake, Michigan, my hometown, which I was really excited about, and interviewed William Truscott of Antrim Outdoors, who's doing a ton up there to get people aware of and into bow fishing. And then we also talked with Matt Lubaway. Matt Lubaway is the new fisheries committee chair for Michigan United Conservation Clubs. He's a member of the Metro West Steelheaders. And he came out with me actually to an event hosted by Senator Stabenow and asked her some really good questions about what she's doing to protect the Great Lakes, specifically from Asian carps and algae blooms. So we have a great slate of interviews up here for the podcast, um, as well as a full slate of people just talking around the microphone in the studio. If you lose track of who's talking, well, that's probably just normal. All right, so without further ado, let's get the interview with Michigan Buck Poll up. Um, We actually did this interview at the Commemorative Bucks of Michigan Annual Awards Banquet. Uh, We recorded after the award show was over. There are some great bucks, by the way. However, I want you guys to just kind of bear through the sound quality because they were folding up the tables and metal chairs clanking all over the place as we were recording this. So I just think that just levels a little hint of authenticity to it. So just bear with the background noise. Here's Michigan Buckpole. Welcome back to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. I'm your host, Drew Youngdike, with Michigan United Conservation Clubs. And we're here at the Commemorative Bucks of Michigan Annual Awards, where we've had some just incredible bucks, um, as well as some great bears and turkeys and awards for people from all over. And we're extremely lucky to have Alan Getz of Michigan Buck Pole here with us. Um, if For those of you that don't know, Michigan Buck Pole has absolutely blown up on social media. Anybody who hunts in Michigan is there. In fact, I think you guys already have like over a hundred thousand followers. Yeah, yeah. That's that's over like one sixth of every hundred in Michigan. Yeah. I don't even I didn't even know that many were online. Yeah, um, it's cool to see. 
So, so Alan, um, tell me about Michigan Buff Bowl. How did how did it start? And when did you start it? Yeah. So we started in 2012, and actually there was just three guys: myself, uh, Eric, and Brian. And uh, we were just standing around the office one day, and we were wondering what was happening. Uh, if people were shooting deer, if people were seeing deer, and it seemed like there was a delay in any information getting out there to the hunters of what was happening right now. Uh, so. We, we, we thought, why don't we do a traditional buck pole, only virtual? Because growing up as kids, we would be over at the local gas station or at these party stores waiting for people to bring in their bucks. And so we try to capture that same feeling only in the virtual world. Well, I, I think it's obvious with the success of it, you have really captured that feeling. And, you know, there's such a community feeling at a traditional buck pole. There's really that same kind of community feeling when you go to Michigan buck pole. Um, what community are you guys from? Where are you from in Michigan? Uh, we're in, uh, from Oakland County, from southeast Michigan, and uh, we're all avid outdoorsmen. And I would, I would say we're not the experts in any particular field, uh, but we're super passionate about it. And we just we love to see pictures of bucks, and uh, that's why it started. And we're, we're on there. We, just, we get just as excited when we see a kid send in his first spike as we do these huge 10, 20, 18 points. And uh, it's just been a blast. If you can hear some background noise, we're moving the tables, the banquet's done, so that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll project, we'll cut out the background noise for any of you out there in uh, radio land, but um, you know, we'll cut some of this out because I'm totally rambling right now. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's, it's really kind of timely when you talk about that and what a trophy means to different people. We've seen some great traditional trophies, you know, up to 170 class bucks, a lot of 140s. But with, have you been following this controversy with the cease of the lion and yeah. the controversy over trophy hunting? What does a trophy mean to you? You know, it, I, I, we really believe that a trophy is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, a lot of times you'll see on Michigan buck pole all season long. So we'll, we'll have uh, so many people with their first buck. And that could be a 50-year-old with their first buck. It could be a 7-year-old seven, uh, seven with their first buck. So, um it's usually, I think, measured more by the smile on their face than the size of the rack on the deer. That's great. You know, Stephen Ronella with uh, Meat Eater has this term called trophy country that yes. I like to see used in Michigan because I think we have some trophy country. I was actually just talking with, uh, we have Anna Mitterling here as well, our wildlife cooperative coordinator. We were talking during this that they ought to have a category for, like, trophy venison. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But... What, where do you see Michigan Buck Pole going? You guys, you guys have some great gear, by the way. If, if you go to Michigan Buck Pole, check it out. They got some sweet MVP hats and shirts that you can order. Um, but where do you see Michigan Buck Pole going in the future? You think it's just going to keep growing? It, it has grown at a phenomenal rate. Um, in fact, we had a week um, two weeks ago where we reached three and a half million people, and we just had a week where there were a lot of great photos. Um, we we're um, doing quite a bit in the off season now we've we've added turkeys uh bear uh, we even have a fishing contest this weekend that gill fishing uh sponsored trying to see who caught the biggest bass uh this weekend in michigan so aside from deer hunting uh we're really keeping it going year round and that was kind of a decision we just made in january where i don't know if you followed last fall there was a guy in there named ron brimmer and we had this little thing saying what's ron ron eating where he'd have a different thing in his mouth every day yep and uh at the end of the season, he said, hey, should I still send in some pictures? I'm going to be out ice fishing. And we said, yeah, let, let's put them in there. And uh, it just blew up. Uh, we didn't realize there were that many people that enjoyed fishing in Michigan. Uh, we knew there were a lot, but we didn't know there were that many. 
And uh, so that's really kept it going year-round. It's been a lot of fun, too. You know, it's been kind of a, a, a positive light. We've seen some negative, you know, numbers from the DNR as far as the deer harvest being down. But when you go on to Michigan Buckhole, you're not seeing that negativity. You're just seeing kind of the pure joy and celebration of hunting in Michigan. Um, what do you think we'll see this year? I think we're going to have a phenomenal year. Um, I don't know if you follow, but we had a shed antler contest that started in the end of December and ran all the way to April, and we saw some enormous sheds come in from Michigan. Also, the trail cam photos this year are better than ever. Um, I know there are some counties that are, are low on deer numbers. Uh, there are some counties, I think, that are better than ever. I think with a lot of rain that we had this spring, the deer were eating better. And uh, we expect to see some monsters uh, this year. And in a lot of counties, I think, that are, are going to have one of the best years ever. Well, that's terrific. Well, we're going to uh, wrap it up here. I think uh, they're about ready to fold up our table. Um, thank you so much yeah. for joining us. Uh, everybody check out the Michigan Buck Pole. It's My Buck Pole on Facebook. Um, what's the website? Uh, MIBuckPole.com. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Nice to meet you guys. You too. So that was awesome. Once again, sorry about the noise that was clanging, but Michigan Buck Pole is so cool that we thought that we wanted to get Alan on there talking about what he did anyway. So, Logan, what do you think about it? Do you follow Michigan Buck Pole at all? Of course I do. I'm not even that big a deer hunter, and I follow Michigan Buck Pole. <laughs> you know, I like looking at pictures of them and, and all that, and they're the place to go if you want to see pictures of good-sized deer in Michigan. Absolutely. And at that event, too, it was a commemorative Bucks of Michigan banquet. And it was cool for them to have Michigan Buck Pole there, um, showing that cooperation between the two. You know, there's no rivalry there. You know, you get your Bucks registered there, and then you post them up on Michigan Buck Pole. Yeah. And it's a very cool idea that they had, that they took our local gas station Buck Poles, turned it into something digital, pulled 100,000 followers out of it. And now they do this full-time pretty much. Yeah, and, and let me tell you, those guys are really cool guys. Uh, Alan actually told me he's a life member of MUCC. Right on. Um, you know, that's, that's the type of people that we love to see involved with MUCC. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually the next clip that we have um, also is about really cool people being involved with MUCC. And this is with Patrick Hogan at the Tomahawk Archers Club. Uh, Tomahawk Archers was always a member club. I think their their affiliation had lasted for a minute, but they're coming back on as a as an affiliate of MUCC, and they have a lot of real young go getters that are part of this club. Um, they've got a great course there. It's like a mile and a half walking course with archery targets set up. But Patrick Hogan has done a lot with getting youth involved in archery. And so I was there on Saturday at their Youth Conservation Day, um, handing out Tracks magazines, and they had so many kids there. I think they had over 100 kids at least that were coming out to their Youth Conservation Day and checking out archery, uh, checking out some habitat demonstrations uh, from National Wildlife Federation. But I got a chance to talk with Patrick about their youth program and how that's been going. So let's uh, line up that clip right now. All right, welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Uh, this is your host, Drew Youngdike, and I'm here at the Tomahawk Archers Club with Patrick Hogan. And we're here at their 
this is your first Youth Conservation Day, right? Correct. Yep. Um, so it's the first Youth Conservation Day at the Tomahawk Archers Club. And what we're going to talk about today is the rise of archery among youth. Um, so, Patrick, uh, you're a member of the club here. First of all, uh, tell everybody what Tomahawk Archers is. Um, Tomahawk Archers is basically a place for anybody interested in archery to come and shoot. It's your own little private range. Um, you have your own bow. You can come out here and enjoy our grounds. We have 40 acres outdoor course. We have uh, indoor lanes for wintertime shooting. Tune in your bows, practice range. So basically, we're just only archery, no guns or anything like that, but we do pretty well at this start. And uh, Tomahawk Archers is here in uh, Temperance, Michigan. Um, and for those of you who don't know where it is, it's very close to the um, Dundee Cabela's. Yep. Um, not too far from there. So um, I know living in Ann Arbor, um, it's pretty tempting to come down here and make a stop at Cabela's every time. Um, what's this Youth Conservation Day? Um, um, it's the brainchild of a member, Brian Preston. And um, we've talked about it, get all these, because we have so many members that are affiliated with other conservation groups. Like, why not get them all together, let them all share their message, get these kids outside, pull away from the, the screen. I mean, it sounds so stereotypical, but it's true. And uh, get them out, let them see. Uh, we have a wild animal, animal show. Uh, we have monarch conservation. And it all ties them together with hunting, because hunting conservation is the definition of it. And um, we just figured we have the nice facilities here. Why not get everybody together and if we can't put on a, a cool little exhibit. Very cool. And there's a lot of kids here. They all seem to be having a lot of fun. Um, one thing that I notice here is your targets are very unique. Um, tell us a little bit about the targets that you have here. Um, well, a lot of, a lot of clubs push the 3Ds and uh, the, the competitive side of archery. And we, we went that way. We tried to go that way. And we fell on our face. We went with what we know what we do best and that's our 2D hand painted targets and um, we average well over 100 people per shoot um, we let our kids put on a shoot we do dinosaurs um, next Sunday August 9th or actually days August 9th August 17th or 16th sorry we have our elk shoot um, they're pieces of art some people feel bad flinging arrows into our cardboard <laughs> and um, the return on investment and the people love coming out there's different targets you know the foam ears aren't broken off the antlers aren't missing it's every single month is brand new targets and people love them and, and what I'll do is uh, put up a picture of the hand-painted elk target that's sitting behind me, and we'll link that um, on the blog at mucc.org so, so you can see what we're talking about. They're really beautiful. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids out today. Uh, I see a lot of kids with bows. Um, you're very involved in getting youth into archery. Um, seems like that's a trend that's been picking up lately. Have yeah. you seen that here? Oh, big time. Thank you, Hollywood, for that. <laughs> um, yeah, a couple years ago... Uh, we had a youth program. You know, we'd have 20, 30 kids. all we needed. Um, kept, our, kept our heat low in the wintertime. And then I caught on and said, man, we're going to get bombarded with all these Hollywood movies. So we went out. Uh, we got donations from Presence Forever, Cabela's, uh, Wild Turkey Federation. We went out and bought a bunch of Genesis bows. And thank God we did. Because we went from having 20, 30 kids. Last year we had... Well over 100 and some kids on two nights. Oh, that's tremendous. Yeah, we used to have just one start time, now we got three. And 
it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work the first couple of weeks, but the kids figure it out. And so you're down here in southeast Michigan, pretty close to the Ohio border. Um, what's your mix of membership? Uh, pretty even Michigan-Ohio? or? Um, yeah, pretty even Michigan-Ohio. It's also pretty even compound versus traditional archery. Okay. And I've noticed there's also a tribal traditional archery. It kind of surprised me. I figured the kids are well-developed that us compound shooters use. And, um, but no, there's a lot of kids that love here pretty good, and we all get along too, so... So how does that come come uh, the end of football season when uh, U of M and Ohio State get together? Things our, get pretty our, heated? No, our club's in Michigan, so they, they know they're right. <laughs> That's all right. So uh, obviously um, hunting season is coming up pretty soon. Bo- pretty soon, bow season opens up on October 1st. Um, people come out, um, join the club, uh, get ready for season. What would you recommend? Um, yeah, uh, memberships for anybody that's establishing archery or we have monthly public shoots um, once a month. We have our elk shoot coming up. And then um, after that, we have a whitetail warm-up just before the season. And then um, you can check us out before you join, see what our course is like, what our targets are like. And then um, if you like it, you join. If not, you just come out and shoot the course. Usually it's 8 to $10 for adults. Kids are always free. We have plenty of rental equipment for the kids or even adults. If they just want to come out and try it, get their feet wet, bring them on out here. Terrific. Well, thank you for sitting down with me, Patrick. This is a tremendous event. Hopefully we'll be back next year. All right, thanks for coming down. Take care. All right, so that was Patrick Hogan of the Tomahawk Archers Club. Um, I think it's really cool that he was doing so much to get youth involved in archery. Um, now, Sarah, you actually were very involved in archery, the archery in the schools program when you were in high school up in Gaylord. Um, so tell, what was that like? What got you into archery? So with my family, we grew up just shooting bows for fun. It was something that I like to do with my brothers, and my dad got us into that at a young age. So I was pretty excited when uh, the archery program came to my school in my junior year. So it wasn't like a, you saw Hunger Games? and <laughs> No, that was well after. Yeah, Sarah's way too old for that, too. <laughs> then we so got her into it, so... So your coach was uh, Mike Lonacek, though, right? Yes, yes, he was. Um, I, I know Mike, he's, he's a great guy, great coach. Um, how did that catch on with the people that were, with the other students that were part of that team with you? Um, how many had experience with archery growing up, and how many came out and that was a new thing for them with the archery in the schools program? It definitely distinguished the hunters of the school. Um, a lot of them did have, did have experience bow hunting and were more outdoorsy, but there were a few people that timidly and slowly came out to give their hand a try at archery, and those people actually ended up doing very well. Now, you did pretty well yourself. Um, I know you were right up near the top in the state. Um, Brag a little bit. Tell us. (laughs) How'd you do? So, I did come out second in the state of Michigan uh, my first year in the program, which was completely unexpected. My scores were not great in practices, and I don't know, I just pulled through in the state championship, so... You're just a gamer. Yes. <laughs> well, we knew that because when she comes out on uh, Wildlife Habitat Volunteer Projects, we see then she's a gamer, too. Um, so one thing, obviously, that's very closely connected with bow hunting that involves uh, archery, too, is bow fishing. And so the next clip we have is on the opposite corner of the Lower Peninsula. We go from just north of Toledo in southeast Michigan 
to up in my hometown of Central Lake um, at the Antrim Outdoors Fest from a couple Saturdays ago, where we sat down with William Truscott of the Antrim Outdoors Organization at the Outdoors Festival that he's organized. This was the third year that they did it. And a big part of that festival is him getting kids involved in bow fishing. A lot of people up there hadn't don't get involved in bow fishing yet, at least, and so he's trying to promote uh, that activity up there. Uh, so here's William Truscott with Antrim Outdoors. Okay, so we're here with William Truscott of Antrim Outdoors. Uh, William, what is Antrim Outdoors? Antrim Outdoors was created um, over the last few years to help get people outdoors and introduce new people to the outdoors and the different activities that we have in the area and just to promote our wonderful county and all we have to offer here. So Antrim Outdoors is obviously based in Antrim County um, and just so the listeners out there know I'm totally a homer for this one because I'm from here um, but what are some of the great features that make Antrim County unique as kind of a place where you can hunt and fish and bowfish? We've got great numbers of whitetail, um, small game, and our fishery is second to none with over 900 miles of shoreline, um, great lakes, uh, access through Lake Michigan, um, the famous Torch Lake, and a wonderful chain of lakes um, where you can catch any, any type of fish. If you want to fish it, we, we've got it. Now we're at the Antrim Outdoors Fest right now, and this is the third straight year that you've done this, and this is a great way that where you get people from the community coming down, you have a couple rods out there where people can learn how to fly cast. And one of the cool things, and you got me to do it earlier today, that got me totally hooked by the way, is bow fishing. You have your uh, American Eagle bow set up um, to the reel. For those folks that don't already know what it is, what is bow fishing and what kind of species do you target with it? Bow fishing is kind of like the best of both worlds for most outdoorsmen and women. Um, you combine archery with fishing. Uh, it's a great way to just get out on the water, and you can do it during the daytime, nighttime, whatever. You, it, you can do it as much as you want. You can take it to the whatever level you want. You can just stand on a shore or wade, or you can set up your boat for nighttime fishing. Um, it's just a great way to get out on the water and see new things. Um, our main target species are carp, um, long nose and short nose gar. Um, a lot of people mistake. Um, we have a lot of spotted gar, which are not a target species for bow fishing. Um, so it, you learn how to identify fish very quickly. So, like I say, carp, gar, long nose, short nose. Um, suckers, which um, we love to go after in the spring of the year when the, they're spawning um, for the smoker. Smoked sucker is delicious. So we, we target them and also catfish. Well, when they're starting to come in, we target them um, mainly for, f for food. But uh, most of your bow fishing is done for invasives and um, non-sport fish. Okay, that smoke sucker sounds awesome though, because obviously with bow fishing you're not going to be doing catch and release. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, but being able to at least um, you know eat and consume some of some of what you bow fish for um, just sounds like the way to go. What what other kind of uses do you get out of, for instance, the invasive species that aren't very good to eat? Um, we 
we ourselves um, will actually can some of our carp um, and use it for sandwiches and stuff like that. But most of your carp um, turns into fertilizer and compost. Um, we ourselves we use it in our garden and we have a compost pile that we end up putting in and using it in our garden. But um, a carp, an average 20-pound carp will um, have about four million young every year. Wow. And, and since they're not really a, a sport fish, um, just, there's no way of controlling their uh, numbers. So bow fishing is helping with that. And then with the invasives coming into the Great Lakes and the threat, um, it's a great way to um, bring business and people to different areas and the economy and also help out the environment terrific now for somebody that is looking to get into bow fishing let's say they're a bow hunter now what's the learning curve moving from maybe as a bow hunter who's regularly practicing target archery and bow hunting from a tree stand what's the learning curve to adapt to bow fishing it's just not thinking about it and just getting out and doing it um just shoot just get out and shoot a couple times and you have to learn the refraction of the water and it, it just takes some a few shots and then you can kind of see where you're shooting um there's not not a whole lot once you start it's kind of like skeet shooting if you start thinking you're going to start missing it's all instinctive and it's all about getting out and having fun that's really scary for me to hear thinking about getting into bow fishing because i'm a terrible skeet shooter <laughs> well as long as you don't think about it just go out with the mindset of you're going to go out and do your best and have fun with it so that was really fun obviously bow fishing it's a lot like um just target archery um, it was a real cool setup they had it was like a floating like those floaty noodle tubes that were all tied together on the water and so what you were doing is shooting the the bow fishing rig and reeling it back in so you didn't really have to deal with the refraction there um but it's definitely addicting and it's cool to see him introducing that in an area of the state where it's not um super popular popular yet right well i I'm, you know it's not the most popular outdoor activity period you know anywhere in the state i've never done it never had a chance to do it so the fact that you were able to do it right at the show, you know, not necessarily on fish, but get a feel for it. You know, that's pretty cool. That's a really good idea you had. And I think it is, it's definitely growing in popularity. Um, there's definitely areas of the state where it's uh, fairly popular. You have the Michigan uh, Bow Fishing Association or the Bow Fishing Association of Michigan, BAM, which is a member club of MUCC. Uh, Rob Miller does a great job with that. Um, so I think it's growing, but it's cool to see it growing actually up in, in my home area. It's definitely something that I know I want to get into. Um, you know, we turn from bow fishing, and, and a big part of what they're doing with bow fishing is taking out um, common carp and shooting a lot of common carp. Um, but we were just down at Belle Isle um, yesterday, actually, uh, with Senator U.S. Senator Debbie Spabenow. And she met at Belle Isle with a lot of the conservation and environmental groups and actually, there were a couple groups there that were total pretenders. For instance, uh, HSUS and the Detroit Zoo was there. Why would they be there? Uh, it was hosted at the um, at the Belle Isle Zoo, which is run by the Detroit Zoo. Oh, uh, they must have invited HSUS. So obviously, it was like so. I would say it was conservation groups, environmental groups, and total pretenders. Um, but fit the bill for that, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, Senator Stabenow had a lot of great things to say. She talked about some of the the issues that she's working on in Washington uh, to protect the Great Lakes. Um, 
you know, uh, Gito Torrey from Ducks Unlimited was there um, emphasizing the importance of the Great Lakes Restoration in- Initiative, which has done a lot of great work. Um, Michigan Environmental Council was there. And actually, uh, our new fisheries committee chair, Matt Lubaway, was there as well. And he asked a couple great questions um, of Senator Stabenow um, about some of the things that she's doing to um, work to stop algae blooms in Lake Erie. Um, there's also some algae blooms in Saginaw Bay, and also to help stop Asian carp. Um, so he has some great questions um, of Senator Stabenow. And after the event, um, Matt and I sat down and recorded another clip for the podcast as well. So um, without further ado, here is Matt Lubaway of Metro West Steelheaders, the Fisheries Committee Chair for MUCC. Hi, and welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. This is your host, Drew Youngdike with MUCC. And I'm here at the Belle Isle Nature Park Zoo uh, with Matt Lubaway. Matt is our actually newly appointed chair of the Fisheries Committee. That's correct. And we're here at an event hosted by Senator Stabenow's office. So Senator Deputy Stabenow was here um, on Belle Isle to discuss a lot of the issues that she's working on on the federal level to protect the Great Lakes. And it was really great for us to invite, uh, for her to invite MUCC. There are also a lot of the environmental groups here. Uh, Gito Torrey was here with Ducks Unlimited. Uh, they've done a ton of work with the with the senator on implementing farm bill issues. Um, Matt here, though, as well as his member club and affiliate club, Metro West Steelheaders, has been very active, though, in introducing resolutions and getting MUCC on board with Great Lakes protection issues. So you asked her a couple of great questions today. Um, what was the first question that you asked her? Well, first we talked about the algal bloom in Lake Erie. And I know that in uh, two, two years ago, two, uh, there was a large uh, spread in National Geographic, and I uh, highlighted the fact that they had a cover shot of Lake Erie from the air, and I wondered if uh, Senator Stabenow was working towards any type of uh, highlighting for the issue uh, on television in the local area. Yep, and I think she said that she's been working with some of the folks, um, like Senator uh, Sherrod Brown um, from Ohio, uh, met with some folks in Toledo. But I was somewhat encouraged by some of the members, uh, local farmers and uh, other interest groups that were saying that they're doing some things locally. Uh, There's a large contingent of of farmers who are getting on board voluntarily, I might add, which is very encouraging. Uh, I would like to see a lot more pressure brought to bear by the federal government on the issue. That's terrific. And you asked her another great question, too. What was that? Well, there's an issue regarding the Brandenburg Dam uh, choke point uh, to uh, stop the Asian carp on the Chicago Sanitary uh, Water Canal. And I know that the... uh, when I was in Washington in March that there was a lot of concern about the fact that there was really only seven or eight senators or uh, representatives, or I should say from seven or eight states, that were really engaged in the issue because of the fact that the other states were not involved locally. Uh, So I was asked her, what was the feeling of the issue right now? Yep. What did she tell you? She said that... uh, she was encouraged by the fact that in the last uh, six or seven months that some additional senators and representatives from other states are getting an, engaged in the in the issue. But she was also aware of the fact that they all have local concerns such as uh, 
droughts in some states, and, and but she did assure us that they're not going to steal our waters from the Great Lakes. That was encouraging. Right. She actually said we would go to World War III before we let them take the Great Lakes water. So that was encouraging as well. Matt, thanks for making it out here to Belle Isle. Thanks for doing a great job of representing Michigan United Conservation Clubs. And thanks for your leadership in our organization. My pleasure. I'll keep involved. All right, so a big topic there, um, as you heard Matt talk about, was keeping invasive species like Asian carp out of the Great Lakes. Um, And Asian carp are definitely the poster boy for invasive species, but there's actually a lot of other invasive species, including um, aquatic invasive plants, or AIS. And we actually did a project through the On the Ground program um, with the Glasson Scholars that Sarah did a tremendous job of organizing. just this past Thursday up at Nankinine Point. Um, so Mary, our Glass and Scholar intern, is uh, in the studio with us here, and she actually was kind of a rock star in recruiting all of the other Glass and Scholars to come out um, on the project. So Mary, why don't you kick it off? Tell everybody what we did on that project and what the goal was. Yeah, so we our goal was to um, map out where um, this plant called uh, European Frog Bit was so that the they could go cut it out because you can't spray for it. And so what we did was we uh, got in kayaks and we kayaked around um, the point and Saginaw Bay, and that was really fun. And, you know, we just we dropped the uh, pin where the, we saw some frog bit, and then we gave all that information to Sarah. And from there, I don't really know what happens with the information. A lovely Google map with all the GPS coordinates and data points so that um, the DNR knows exactly where those locations were, where we found the patches of European frog bit. Right, because the DNR will be bringing in contractors to physically remove the frog bit. And as you mentioned, you can't spray for it. Really, all you can do is actually physically remove it. And it's this very um, thick, kind of almost like mini lily pad with weeds that go down in the water. Um, We'll have a picture of it um, on on the blog with a podcast and what it does is it chokes out that underwater habitat that would be better utilized by fish and, you know, waterfowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really clogs up uh, waterfowl habitat. Um, but the, the Glasson scholars are awesome. They went out, um, really precisely marked where they found that European frog bit on GPS. And we tried to enter it into the MISSIN app, the Michigan Invasive Species Information Network. I think the app was malfunctioning at the time or wasn't quite working, but it's actually a really great app once you register for it uh, to be able to have anybody really that's out there in Michigan report where they're finding invasive species. Um, But the Glasson Scholars did a great job. Um, Sarah, I know, has already sent that GPS information to the DNR. Yep. All right. Um, Sarah, we have a a few more projects. We're kind of getting ready to um, set up the final stage of the OTG field season. Um, We're going to have some more projects coming up in September that we'd like everybody to get involved in. Uh, What are you working on planning right now, Sarah? Yeah, so we have quite a few events that we're going to be fitting in the rest of this month as well as September. Uh, One of those will be in the Forest View Midland area. And that will be a Rabbitat event, which will also have quite a few more of those. Another one in Maple River State Game Area, uh, Sharonville State Game Area, and probably some other areas of the southwest and southeast regions of the state. And we also are scheduling some waterfowl habitat events in Allegan State Game Area and southeast Michigan towards the end of September. 
Well, that's terrific. Um, we have the brand new website up that Logan has been hard at work on for months, um, and we'll get the sign-up forms for those upcoming uh, OTG projects up on the website. Um, probably this week, the first few will be up there. So keep checking back at mucc.org slash on the ground for your chance to volunteer for Wildlife Habitat. This has been another episode of Michigan Outdoors Podcast, brought to you by the On the Ground Program, Hunters, anglers, and trappers volunteering for fish and wildlife habitat. Thank you for listening to another edition of Michigan Out of Doors Podcast. Defend your rights to hunt, fish, and trap by joining MUCC at MUCC.org.